this too shall pass. Another storm had arrived and he couldn't understand why. He would survive his every trial and tribulation. He came from tribal nation to plantation, emancipation proclamation, but in his heart, he still wasn't free, held captive by society, and they still wonder why the cage bird sings. Behind bars, behind scars, another king with a dream. He would keep hope on that boat, though he would lose his spears, had nothing left but tears, tears that he would use to wash away his fears and he lives. It poured racial injustice, back of buses, water hoses and bullet holes, boy and nigger howls, blacks not allowed, marches in Birmingham and chants of we shall overcome. And he lives. Then it rained down gang signs, young boys and OGs throwing sets in the air, blood and cuz echoing a doomsday salutation. And he lives. Not a red or blue flag, nor rag or rod can define how resilient your spirit is, how eternal your legacy is. From townships to projects, apartheid, homicide, boats to cages, auction blocks, plantations, Jim Crow, black codes, police brutality, mass incarceration, but this too shall pass. So hey everybody, hope everybody's doing well. Thank you and welcome to another episode of Chestnut Checkers Podcast. I am your host, James Chisholm, and with me I have my partner, creator of Kingship Chess Academy and creator of this podcast, Chestnut Checkers, Anthony Gladden. How's it going, bro? Hey, what's going on, bro? How you doing? Man, I'm doing good, man. This is this is a, a great day. Man, I have with us That's today good. a very, very special guest. This 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 lady that I'm gonna bring on uh, to the podcast is she's not only a professional man, but she is also an artist. She okay. uh, performs. She she she's a performing artist. She's a visual artist. Uh, awesome. She is she is all around just uh, uh, a great person. I've spoke to her in advance. She has a lot of great things going on. And she's going to share a lot of uh, awesome insight about some things about uh, this this COVID-19 pandemic, as well as uh, things that she has going on on the artistic side and personal okay. business side. So without further ado, I would like to welcome to the podcast, Kanika Wellington. How are you doing today, ma'am? I'm doing well. Hey. Thank you. Hey, how you doing? Hey. I'm good. Good. It's good to be able to share today with you guys. I know. Definitely. I know. Well, I, I, I definitely am ready to get started. But before we do, Kanika, one of the things that um, Anthony and I like to do is we like to shout out a Black Business of the Month. And so Anthony, he has uh, our Black Business of the Month that he would like to shout out. So before we get into uh, more information about you, Let's go ahead and shout this business out. So what do you have for us, Anthony? Uh, this week, we, well, this month, we're focusing on uh, Paris Construction Company, LLC, uh, which is owned and operated by Miguel Paris. He's a good friend of mine. And uh, what Miguel does over at Paris Construction Company is uh, he does some commercial uh, building, but uh, he does uh, home building from ground up and, uh, just want to support him because he has gone back into uh, some of the uh, disproportionate communities and uh, re refurbished houses. And he does the best thing about Miguel. What I really like is that he he allows the uh, homeowner to 
uh, give him insight and, you know, he's building from ground up. So you actually have some input on the design of the house. And uh, last thing about Miguel is that he does give back. Uh, he's good with philanthropy. So we want to focus on him. And if anybody's in the market to buy a home or looking to get with a build on some construction projects, reach out to Miguel. You can reach him at, uh, I think it's uh, on Facebook, Parish Construction, L Construction Company, LLC. And uh, I think the website is uh, www.parisconstructioncompany.com. Uh, cool. Well, I uh, appreciate that, Anthony, man. Shout yeah. out to Miguel for being the uh, Black Business of the Month with Chestnut Checker. So I definitely salute you. All right. Yes, absolutely. So um, this episode, if you guys don't know already, we're titling this Finding Balance Through the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, and I know this has affected everybody in different ways. And I know it's affected me certain ways. And Anthony, we've talked about how it's affected you. Uh, but since we have our guest Kanika on the line, what I would like to ask is share with us sort of how things are going with you and your family during these times of quarantine and social distancing. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, yeah, we've been adjusting. We've been well, uh, but we've been finding balance through things like uh, creativity, being creative, and bonding, uh, getting you know, getting closer, getting to know each other. Um, we've really been focusing on health more than we ever have since this pandemic started. Um, I've been putting some things in place for my family to make sure that you know we're doing things to build our immune system up so that we stay strong. Um, and, you know, and one thing too, just staying calm and not being so overwhelmed and stressed out about what's going on because, you know, we know stress kills and, and that, uh, that can weaken your immune system as well. So just, uh, you know, I've been focusing on just being a calm voice for my family and just putting those things in place. Um, I have three children, a seven year old and two in high school and I actually have a son that's a 2020 graduate. Okay. Okay, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yes, yes. My first graduate. Yeah, he's a he's a really good kid and um he was a little bombed out uh by, you know, uh what's been going on because you know he misses his the traditional milestones of what seniors do during his time, like graduation and prom. Um, but the community has come together in a big way to help our graduates. We, uh, someone started a adopt a senior program uh, to let our seniors know that they are supported, to offer mentorship and donations in the city of Chattanooga. And um, I put him in that program. So he was really, really excited about that. And he's looking forward to his next level. So yeah, that's how we've been finding balance. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I, I think everybody is is finding their own way through this. I know, you know, me and Anthony, we talk every day and we're always talking about how this is affecting us and things that we're trying to do, not only collectively, but individually to just stay focused. I know for me is I'm an artist. So for me, it's just been about remaining creative mm -hmm. and through Anthony's initiatives that he has going, this is kind of how this all came about because he's provided me with a platform to remain creative. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I'm definitely grateful for that because currently I'm not working. And so it's, it's, it's been rough just not being able to work right now, but through mm -hmm. being creative, I'm finding myself much more calm than probably what I would be if I didn't really have a lot to do. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right, right. I, I agree. Hey, quick, quick question: Is uh, is that adopt a senior? That was a pro, uh, some kind of initiative put forth. I saw something on Facebook. Yeah, and I actually reached out to somebody. Uh, but uh, that's a good thing. So after after we wrap up the day, reach back out to James and myself because we want to do uh what we can and try to help support your son and some other seniors that may be some some kind of financial backing or something, whatever we can do, you know, we cool with that. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely do that. I really appreciate that. There's a lot of opportunities in that. Cool. Okay, cool. Cool. That sounds good. 
So, uh, Kanika, I see that you're actually employed with T-Mobile. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, how how long have you been with the company, and and what's your current role there? Ooh, I've been working with T-Mobile for 18 years. Oh wow! Wow. Yes, 18 years. Wow. Yeah, long time. I remember when I first started, uh, it wasn't even called T-Mobile. We were like Powertail, then we became Dream. Oh yeah. Y'all remember that? Singular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Were y'all yeah. singular? Yep, I remember singular. And, uh, okay. So 18 <laughs> years, and I'm I'm currently um, the recruiter for uh, T-Mobile Chattanooga. Okay. Um, Okay. I'm responsible for mostly hiring within the call center. That's uh, at least 600 plus employees that I have to keep staff uh, in our call center here in Chattanooga. Uh, before recruiting, I worked in operations, uh, managing teams. Um, um, and, you know, and I, I kind of looked up one day and I was like, you know what? I think my natural talent and skills of helping people and developing people would work better in human resources. So I went out for um, an open position as the recruiter and got it. And ever since then, it's been so awesome being able to work in the community and, uh, and you know, and help people kind of change their tax bracket, you know, get them a job, mm-hmm. a good job and good yeah. benefits and keep people working. So um, I love being a recruiter. It's awesome. I've, I've, right yeah, I've, I've actually worked in the sailor field multiple times. That, that was that was my jump off job, really, and it's it's, it's lucrative. It's very yeah. it's very it's it's a very lucrative job. At least it used to be. I haven't been in the, yeah. the industry for a while, but it, you, but it teaches you a lot of different skills at once. You you mm-hmm. do a lot of stuff when you're in the sailor industry, and that's something that I don't think people realize how in-depth you can actually go once you get into a company like T-Mobile. Absolutely. And you being a a recruiter, I mean, you know, just giving those people that opportunity because it's it's hard to find a job. So when when you're able to get into a company like T-Mobile and grow with them, and obviously you're you're a great example of that being with them 18 years. It, right. just, it just goes to show, you know, you get in, you do what you have to do, you learn, you apply yourself, and then you just work your way up from there. That, yeah, that's right. Because, um, and you said something that really stood out, the cellular industry, you know, it isn't it isn't going anywhere. You know, cell phones, you right. see how it's evolving. Uh, phones are becoming more smarter. Technology is constantly moving. Yeah. So it is important like when you do go out looking for jobs that you look at the industry that you're getting involved in and Mm -hmm. see if that's an industry that's gonna be sustainable you know and be around Mm -hmm. um so yeah you are so right with that and uh but yeah when i when i started working for t-mobile i was in my mid-20s um i you know i wasn't a professional (laughs) or anything (laughs) like that um and you know i remember it like it was yesterday like you know i was around people who had this great vocabulary they was taking these calls using all these awesome words and i didn't have that you know i didn't have that um and so i had to like you know really work um to um improve myself um to get more educated on how to communicate effectively Mm -hmm. um and how to like also articulate my worth and work my way up from being you know i started as a customer service rep on the phone okay so working my way through the, the ranks but so it's a great company to work for but you know what? Real quick, let me just say one thing and shouts out to T-Mobile for, uh, yeah. I know they're one of the companies that really do a, a, a lot of hiring here in the city. So shouts out to them yes. for the diversity that they offer. Uh, but uh, one thing I noticed you said real quick, and I'm gonna uh, give it back to James, was you, you worked yourself up and you didn't have what was the norm with the professional the big words and mm-hmm. the jargon that they use mm-hmm. but you didn't let that you didn't let that keep you um set you know because some people go to a job and that's just mm-hmm. that and i've always had a concept where i go in and i learn as much as i can about the company in case i want to do it myself yeah. but you what you said was uh was definitely inspiration for people that may just be you know, what's the point of going to the job if you're not going to learn yes. and try to do as much as you can while you're there? Yeah, absolutely. Don't go in with a job mindset. Go in with a career mindset. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I completely agree with that because so many people 
go in with that mindset. And of course, as if, if you look back on different companies now, and especially, I come from a heavy customer service background. And so I've done everything that you could possibly imagine from just being just on the floor, taking phone calls to help running a cellular store. So it's everything that any and everything customer service related, probably over, probably about 23 to 25 years of customer service experience. And that's one thing that's missing out of a lot of companies nowadays. Yes. And so yes. You, you have to go in and you have to embrace the role that you're in and you have to, like Anthony said, you have to learn as much as you can about the company, learn as much as you can about the role and just apply yourself. Yes. Because at the end of the day, it it helps everybody. It's going to help ultimately the company, but it's going to help you too. Because the last thing that you want a person to do is when they call and you're not providing that great service, you're not engaging with them like you should. And it it makes you look less knowledgeable than probably what you actually are. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, so that that's that's a very, very good point. So I know during this during this time, this this whole pandemic, there's been a lot of shifting and changing in companies. And one of the things that companies have been forced to do is strike that balance between productivity and safety. Mm-hmm. And as a result, a lot of companies are transitioning their teams to work from home. And, and, and many companies haven't had work from home opportunities, but this is opening up different options for them to say, okay, hey, let's take a look to see if we can strike a strike a chord and get things done and also keep our employees safe at the same time. Mm-hmm. So with T-Mobile having a call center, and I know with call centers is is all about productivity and numbers, have they allowed you or other team members to, to work from home? Absolutely, yes. Yes, everyone has been uh, deployed working from home. Actually, uh, T-Mobile, um, I got some stats that came in uh, earlier and it stated that T-Mobile was able to transition 12,000 call center employees from the call center wow. to home with, in less than a month. Oh, nice. Yeah, in less than a month. We haven't done any type of layoffs. Um, You know, and I will say, you know, it's very important for any organization, any great organization to have a crisis management uh, Mm -hmm. program or, you know, in place for things like this. And T-Mobile did. Uh, They they responded quickly uh, and got people, you know, working from home. Um, And, you know, it's important because a lot of people were, you know, lost their jobs. We just said a lot of people lost their jobs. Uh, have furloughs and people are here not knowing what's going to happen next Um, Mm -hmm. and I want to send a message to organizations that you know what how you deal with your employees right now during this crisis is going to impact your brand from for decades to come so you have to be Mm -hmm. careful of how you're dealing with your employees Um, you know if there's ways to keep your employees working you should be doing that um, and I know some small businesses, you know, they have things that they come up with. They can't, you know, hold on to employees, but it will impact your brand. So anybody out there who's lost a job due to the pandemic, um, I want to tell you that it's important that you consider an employer that cares. Uh, T-Mobile has made mm-hmm. sure that everybody keep is keeping their job and um, they're at home. And uh, and actually productivity has increased that's what I that's what I wanted to ask. I'm sorry, and I, I wanted to ask that real quick because uh, I'm a, a freight broker, and I was fortunate, like you said, being in a sustainable business, and uh, that that really has prompted me to look at some other opportunities as an mm-hmm. entrepreneur because the trucking trucking industry has sustained mm-hmm. itself, and that's who's been keeping mm-hmm. America going, the truck drivers. But my question is. I think with my company, they saw that we're being more productive mm-hmm. at home. Have you noticed mm-hmm. that trend? Are you guys being more productive at home? Yeah, yeah. I, I take calls constantly where I'm on the phones with call center directors and, and human resources directors. And we have to look at the metrics. We have to look at you know the productivity. And the numbers show that productivity has increased. 
Now get this, before the pandemic, T-Mobile, we didn't have a work from home uh, program. You know, we we didn't have Mm -hmm. that. And so since productivity numbers have increased because of this, um, now we're going to implement a permanent work from home program for some of our employees. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And, and that's we know, awesome. and we was, we was talking, awesome. like, okay, so productivity has increased. Why is that? What is going on? Why do you think that is? And what we're finding is that, you know, people are at home and they're in their own, you know, comfortable environment. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, yes. and stress yep. levels are down, you know. Um, they don't have to worry about, you know, the, the bustle and the hustle of, you know, supervisors standing mm-hmm. over you. It's not right. as much, you know, com- competition. The the pressure of, it's like when I know that I'm, I don't need you over my back telling yes. me to perform. Some people, some people like that management piece in some situations, what do you think, James? I think that management piece in some situations it, it it curbs production because some all you got managers in place who are good workers and they're mm-hmm. not people 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 persons. So just because you're a hard worker doesn't make you management material. So I think working from home, you give uh, your employees that ownership piece where we know we represent the company in this pandemic, so we're gonna produce our best yeah. best self. You know what I mean? So yeah, I I, de- what you I definitely agree. I mean, it's for me, I before I moved back to Chattanooga, I worked for Quicken Loans in Detroit. And Quicken Loans had a work from home. And it had a work from home before the pandemic. And luckily I was in a position to where I could work remotely. So I had a laptop and it, it was anywhere that I could have a Wi-Fi signal, I was able to work from home. Mm-hmm. And so, Sometimes if it was nice outside, I would go in the park downtown and log in. Yeah. And just, it's it's a feeling of empowerment. That's it. Um, now, granted, some people are not good at working remotely. Mm-hmm. So it, it depends on the individual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some, people, some people like to go into work. It makes them feel more productive. And then you have some people that prefer to work remotely because it, it takes a certain discipline to work from home mm-hmm. because you're yeah, it, yeah you're in your space to the to just the lay person you would say well that's a no-brainer he should be productive he, he's in his own home he can relax but that could be a downfall because when you're relaxing and you're in your own environment you look around and you're like huh I can put these clothes in the in, in you know in the washer or hey let me mm-hmm. let me start cooking dinner okay man uh i can dust this table and so before you know it if you're not disciplined mm-hmm. you can just go off the rails and your production can suffer so it, it definitely it's a it's a give and take and you have to get the right people that want to work from home that can show that discipline to be successful otherwise it will not be successful yeah, you're right yeah, you're right you're yeah. right but hey, any any job that you know, any company that I work for, I would totally advocate to have, for them to have a work from home because I found it to be very helpful. Yeah, it's very. Helpful. Of course, I'm, I'm a person that I I I I've, my freedom is the utmost importance, and so me having that freedom, me having that laptop, and being able to move that. It, it aided in my productivity. Yeah. So, and, and I also mm-hmm. want to add too, and you guys were talking about this when you have that autonomy and you have that empowerment, you know, and you're in your space, it's like you know you have an entrepreneur mindset. You're you're in control of your business mm-hmm. at that point. Right. And um and I know that a lot of these employees, of course, are going to go back into the call center, or into the office, uh, and they'll pick and choose based on productivity numbers who you know would like to work from home, who will continue to work from home. But I also mm-hmm. challenge the leaders to look at your leadership style. Um, you know, like mm-hmm. it's important to lead people. There are a lot of leadership theories out there, you know, transformational leadership, inspirational leadership, all these different types of theories. But I always mm-hmm. stand by uh, the, the leadership theory of leading with compassion. 
like you know making sure that you're not micromanaging that you're giving people that space to be who they are and you can do that in the office you can do that in these in these you know call centers or buildings um and that's when you build you know what i call relationship power people will do they their best work for you uh and that depends on how you treat them you know if you give them that that room to be who they are and to to you know be creative so um we're learning a lot you know um and i know that covid is a problem but it's in a in a kind of ironic sense it's actually showing people how to really level up and it's, it's mm-hmm. creating a lot of positives that we mm-hmm. can kind of learn from it definitely it definitely yeah, man. so i i want to ask this question because we're kind of on a on a kind of and kind of moving towards you know jobs and um we we know that you're a recruiter and a lot of information comes in and and eventually people are going to be moving you know uh, the the unemployed are going to be getting jobs again Mm -hmm. and so i know that you as a recruiter you participate in job fairs and different hiring events and a lot of information comes your way so with this pandemic how do you feel that it's actually going to shape the business world when it comes to recruiting new employees uh, do you find it's going to be difficult how, based on how you recruit now and what's going on with the pandemic how do you think it's going to change recruiting recruiting wise? yeah uh it's going to change a lot and that's interesting that you said that because right now i constantly work on projects that look at uh, how COVID has shaped um, HR or recruiting, and um, and uh, artificial intelligence is a um, you know an area that is really really changing how we recruit um, technology. You know we have these uh, now applicant tracking systems that they're looking at where you know you could really search and seek out people uh, for jobs based on certain you know uh, resume criteria. Um, but the digital landscape, that's it. I mean, it's, it's totally different. Everybody's online. So now what I'm doing in order to like continue to keep my pipeline healthy, you know, continue to keep applicants in the pipeline, um, I'm online. So having an online presence right now is very critical for anybody in my field, recruiting, you know, talent scouts. Um, so we're online connecting with the community. Um, I do, um, development training courses with like uh, companies like the chamber united way to keep that community connection going um offering resume and interview workshops for the community um and just yeah being online i'm constantly in linkedin connecting with people we we have virtual job fairs that go on so we're now just being smarter Mm -hmm. and adapting to the change but online presence is just, you know, it's it's huge right now. Cool. So yeah, I, yeah. I figured that was gonna be a change. I didn't know really how impact and how 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 much it was gonna impact the recruiting part of it. But you know, that that's a that's some good insight that you had. I wanna run some numbers by you real quick. Okay. So the official unemployment rate last month was fourteen point seven percent. And as of today, it's about 40 million people that's filed unemployment. Now, the unfortunate truth is that many businesses, big box and mom and pop, they're going to close or they've already closed or they they won't survive Mm -hmm. throughout this. And so the competition, when you look at 40 million people being out of work, when these when these companies do start opening back up and these pipelines open to start hiring people, it's going to be some tremendous competition. Mm-hmm. So, with you being a recruiter, what is your advice to help people prepare now to enter the work- workforce? So, what I'm saying is, while while they're out of work, what do they need to do mm-hmm. to prepare themselves to have an advantage? over that competition because if i if if i say i'm out of work and it's 40 that, that means i'm is me versus 39 million people mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. this is going to be vying for jobs so how do you prepare yourself especially considering that 
a lot of stuff is online. There's a lot of artificial intelligence that's scanning through this work. It's okay, it's looking for certain things and it's just, it's okay, either you accept it or not. It's no physical person that's doing the work mm-hmm. typically. So how, how do you how do you gain an advantage? What can people do? That's a great question. Uh, and I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the phrase that I always use. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And, and you should have been doing that on the job, always ready for your next level, right? Exactly. Because, you know, these jobs right. can be taken away at any time, you know, not just in COVID, but you know how business change, you know, so you should always be ready for your next move. So since this is happening, maybe you weren't, you know, ready, it's important that you work on personal development. What are you doing with that extra time? What are you learning? Um, look at, you know, if you're going to stay in your industry, um, look at what new skills that you can acquire right now online. Does that mean going back to school? Does that mean taking a course? Are there any free development courses out there that people are doing, that organizations are doing that I can be a part of? Just like I mentioned before, as a recruiter, I'm out there in the community doing virtual trainings, teaching people how to lead through crisis, you know, how to build your emotional intelligence through crisis, how to you know, get your resume tight and right so that when these opportunities open back up, you're ready. So are you looking for those opportunities? Um, so it's very important that people are working on their personal development right now and just not waiting, waiting till this is over, waiting till, you know, an opportunity comes along. What are you doing right now is very, very important. So continuing education, uh, getting out there, looking at what's happening. If you want to crossover industries, learning all you need to know about that industry to get yourself together uh, so that you can, you know, have an opportunity to interview. So that's what I would say. Hey, hey, quick question to to back piggyback off of James. Uh, I want you to real quick, Kanika, if you could tell me the importance of this, because I tell a lot of people and I, I, I try to, my social media and Facebook is cool but I'm really trying to get into a habit of being more active on LinkedIn than Facebook. Because I tell a lot of people, I be like, are you on LinkedIn? And they like, man, I ain't doing that. But as a recruiter, how how much weight does having a professional LinkedIn profile weight opposed to just not having one? Does is that a factor that- Yeah. Um, when you yeah, go yeah. It, it gives you an edge. Me? Um, I tell especially with the pandemic happening and recruiters are online, building an online presence is very important. I did some research and the, the study showed that most employers are now going to look at your social media profiles to see who you are, who you're connected with. Do you fit into their culture? You know, uh, the job that you're going out for, do I see those type of posts? Are you passionate about that? Because if you're passionate about that type of work, I should I should see, you know, uh, you posting things about industry news. And you can't really do that on Facebook. You you know, you can build your own pro- uh, personal uh, Facebook profile uh, geared to just professional, you know, work, because I tell people to do that. But LinkedIn is where it's at. The influencers, the executives, the C-suites of organizations, these people are in LinkedIn and, and you can build a resume there. You can put your skills, you can do everything you need to know to tell, um, do to tell your story in LinkedIn, but it is very important. Uh, I'm encouraged daily by my senior management group to go and look at people's social media uh, profiles, you know, to see if we want to make a decision um, on hiring them or not. It's a, it's a real thing. Um, but being online is going to be very, very important right now. Um, it shows that you're, you know, that you're out there and that you're an open book, you know, and some people have some, uh, net, you know, cons about that or whatever, but it is true. It is what it is. It's important to have that. That's some, that's some really good insight. And I hope that everybody's that's, that's listening is, is taking notes of this. This, this is a real recruiter folks. She's she's dropping she's dropping gems. So if you, if you if you, I, yeah. I, I hate having to uh, say no to someone when they're trying to get a job, and, it, and it's because of these small things. When you're building like your email uh, addresses and you're you're sending that information to recruiters and hiring managers, mm. make sure it's a professional email address. 
you know, <laughs> you could yeah. listen. Right. I've right. seen some. Oh wow, <laughs> I can't even tell you how many email addresses I've seen. I'm like, wow, really? You know, let's not let's not use your you know your street email address. But anyway, uh, <laughs> yes. Please, please don't. Uh, if, if, if you, if you, oh, were you going to say something, Anthony? No, it's just like I'm, I'm with y'all on that because it's like I think it's just the, uh, the lack of, the lack of, uh, what can I say, a uh, respect or the, the, the true understanding of a job and what you're trying to do and use. Some people look at it like, oh, it's just such and such. I ain't gonna be here long. And then you end up being there five years because you you could have been up and gone, but it's mm-hmm. like the lack of respect for the opportunity. Because I mean, it could be it could be a Mickey D's job, mm-hmm. but you can be on your stuff at Mickey D's and somebody else come through from a, a T-Mobile recruiter and say, hey, uh, I like how you yes. offered me service when I was coming through to get my sandwiches and stuff for three consecutive weeks. They've been paying Absolutely. attention to you. And you you auditioning for you out you just auditioned for a management position with T Mobile yeah. because of how you yeah. were working. Because I do just that. Yeah. I recruited people yeah. from the McDonald's anywhere, but yeah. Yeah. And I, I tell you, coming from a communications background, because Kanika, what I did at Quicken Loans, I was actually a communications mm-hmm. trainer. And I saw so many flaws mm-hmm. in communication. Please have your communication yeah. on point. You, if if a person cannot see you and read your body language, if they if they if you're not face to face with a person, the first the only way that they can quote unquote size you up is through your communication, either verbal mm-hmm. or written. If you you if you mm-hmm. if you write Kanika, if you send Kanika an email. And that email is not structured right. If it has grammatical errors, if it has mm-hmm. it, whatever, if it, it, she's gonna look at that and she's gonna say, you know, I, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, so make sure that if you if you uh, if you have any issues with your communication, if you know that you have issues, mm-hmm. seek out help. Plug, plug. I'm here, I'm here for you. You can just reach yep, out to me. Yep. <laughs> reach out, reach out to somebody and, and, and get help. It's, it's nothing wrong yep. with asking for help. But if you sit there and you're not asking for help and you're struggling, it could be detrimental to how your future is going to be. Invest in forward. yourself. Yes. Exactly. So we appreciate you sharing those thoughts. Those are just some of the things that I was thinking about when when I saw your bio and I was like, man, she's a recruiter. She can she can actually help. You know, this could be a really deep subject, you know, based on her uh, profession. I really appreciate you dropping those gems. Hopefully the listeners were tuned in and they're making note of that and they can take those things that you said and they can move on. Absolutely. we got the structure part out the way. So what I want to do is I want to dive a little deeper into you as the artist and creator, because that's something that I really clued into when you yeah. sent me your bio. And I know write poetry. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know, the uh, performance piece, the spoken word that you heard at the top of the episode that's uh, uh, Kanika and she wrote this piece and tell us a little bit about the piece uh, Kanika give us the title again and kind of go into the piece and what sure, it, what it absolutely. means um, the, the title of the piece is called This Too Shall Pass and um, when I wrote this piece um, you know there was a lot going on around us um, and it's focused on black men you know, what black men go through, what we've, you know, what you guys have gone through, how far you've come from those, uh, those things and, and encouraging uh, black men to um, stay strong and stay resilient because, you know, you've gone through a lot. So remember that this too shall pass. So for me, um, you know, I grew up with a single parent, 
um, and um, I'm like the oldest of five. I have four brothers. I'm, you know, the only, my mom's only daughter. And so I've been constantly surrounded by guys all my life. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, my youngest brother is 25. <laughs> and so, you know, growing up, um, you know, in the projects and seeing, you know, all the things that, you know, we go through, uh, it was important for me to write a piece to encourage our Black men because, you know, the world beats our black men up so much on the outside, you know, with tr- jobs and stereotypes and all these things. But when when our black men come home, it's important that we encourage them and that we, you know, lift them up and remind them that you'll get over this. You know, you may have to do something different. You may have to create a stronger, you know, network or, you know, tighten your circle up a little bit, whatever that is. But just remember that you've gone through a lot and that you will get over this as well. So that was my inspiration uh, for my brothers, my you know my siblings, and also every black man, um, and black man in the world, because uh, there's a lot going on. Um, and you know, mental um, illness. When we talk about mental illness, you always talk see women talking about mm-hmm. mental illness and how we're dealing with it and what you do to deal with it. So it's always like it's a thing that women go through but we also know that our men go through this as well um and it's important that we keep a sound mind uh, mm-hmm. when we're dealing with crisis because we've been through a lot of crisis i mean we, we we've lived through crisis after crisis more than any other uh racial group um so this pandemic for us mm-hmm. you know it's just another crisis uh that we will get over but we have to be smart we have to be smart mm-hmm. because uh our you know, black people are dying uh, at the hands of COVID more than any other race right now. And I, 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 you know, I looked at that and I was like, you know, why is that? You know, some people say because black people are one of the sickest um, racial groups. We're number one for diabetes. We're number one for high blood pressure and heart disease. So when we do get things like mm. COVID, it's hard for us to recover. Mm. So that's why the numbers are more alarming. And then there are other people that are saying that we just, we, we done been through crisis so much, you know, and a lot of us suffer from PTSD, just being in the hood, living in the hood. So we look at COVID as just another thing. So we out there in the store, right. no mask on. We out there, <laughs> you know, we out there just like still having our block parties and, and still just chilling because we're like, you know, we become desensitized in a, in a sense to crisis because we've been through so much and the peace talks mm-hmm. about it. like apartheid, homicide, boats mm-hmm. to cages, auction blocks, plantations, Jim Crow, black codes, police brutality, mass incarceration. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. That's enough to make you lose your mind. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful it's I, a beautiful piece. Uh, and, and it's just... And you know what's you know what's funny? What you said, Jane, and what she said, mm-hmm. it's been repetitive without yeah. a yes. break. Yeah. I'm glad you got that. Cause that's, that's when crazy. I was writing it and I, I listed yeah. all of that. I wanted you to feel that it, it's constant back to back, back to back, back to back. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm. It's 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 amazing what what we go through and what we continue to go through. And and it's, it's hard to, to deal with this day by day. And I, I understand when black people are getting super emotional about this because yeah. we're tired. You know, we've seen, we've seen our generations upon generations of our family go through the same thing. Now we're, now we're in 2020 still and we're still going through this. You know, and, and it just it seems to never end and you get to the point to where you say to yourself, This yeah. this yeah. gotta end. Like you can't you can't let this go right. to another right. generation. Yeah. So that's that's the that's the point of black people now. It's a yeah. it's becoming a breaking point. And I mentioned that I mentioned that on my social media post and there were some people that got really upset about it. But I was just yeah. simply telling the truth. People, it's come to a point where there's a there's a breaking point. It's not going to take mm-hmm. much more for for the straw to crack yeah. the camel's back. <laughs> uh, yeah. well, well, I think 
I'm, I'm kind of, and see, I'm going to play devil's advocate to that real quick, James, because I feel like you're right. It's not going to take much more, but mm-hmm. in my mind, even optimistically thinking from the, 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 the pattern and the history of white supremacy and racism, it does not matter. In my mind, it does not end until we as a people fight back. It does not, nothing has, I mean, cause at, we, we've been praying and praying and yeah. turning the other cheek for years. And we done did, the only people that fought back was the generation with Dr. King. They fought back. That was a rebellion. So until we decide that we're not gonna just keep, it, it ain't gonna, I, I, optimistically thinking, I don't, cause there's nothing good never came out of nothing without a rebellion. And that's just through history. So as long as, I feel like as long as we, now we systematically get together as a people and mm-hmm. come up with this grand plan and we stick to it, then maybe so, but other than that, there's no peace without action, violence, right? So peace without some kind yeah, of yeah, it, it, has, it has to be. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it, it definitely has to be action. And you know, this this is something that that you know, I definitely I I, I definitely want to discuss in the future yeah. because it's a deep subject, and, and you know, I want to I want to turn the focus back <laughs> on. You know, it's and this is this this will really become just like a all out like three hour just yeah. discussions. <laughs> but we we're gonna circle back around to that because that brings up a lot of points. And, and uh, Kanika, hopefully we can have you back Please. on for that discussion because I want to get some other people on here and we just have a we just have a good old old fashioned powwow and just go at it and just spit out all our you know frustrations and opinions and you know whatever goes goes so uh definitely we'll, we'll reach back out to you at that point uh, i know with your with your poetry so how long Ooh, have you been writing? Uh, i've been writing about i want to say like 14 years 14 years i'm gonna tell you the truth okay. poetry uh spoken word that saved my life it saved my life uh like okay. i said you know single parent home uh you know five children you know i had to step up uh my mom was a teen um age you know uh mother so she had us really really young so my mother decided that she was going you know she was going to continue to chase her youth so that put me in a position of being mom to my brothers and she was more like a sister and so um i you know i um a lot of times gotcha. you know with things going on uh, i would just have a notebook and i would just write it actually started with rapping, actually, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I used to just play around with okay. my brothers and we used to just freestyle, you know, just trying to pass time and keep them, you know, keep them uh, entertained. So we would do freestyling and I was actually good at it. And my brothers would be like outside with their friends for like, I'm gonna go get my sister. She can freestyle. She gonna, you know, she gonna destroy you. She gonna destroy you. So, uh, Mm. So started with rapping and then um you know and then it was just therapeutic, you know, going through what I went through, having to give up a lot. Um, I actually had to drop out of school and um, you know, I went from G I went to a job corps program um because you know things weren't going well for me at home and I really felt uh Gaston. Gaston stay uh, Which one which one did you go to? Really? It was, I went to Wow. Yeah, being job court, I mean, yeah, it changed my tough. life, and um, I, I started writing yeah. more. Um, and I'm, I've always been kind of yeah, like right. uh, a recluse, I kind of stay to myself. So I used to write and write, and um, yeah. got entered into an essay contest at Job Corps and actually won the contest on a local, uh, regional, and national level. So I was like, dang, here I am from the hood, you know, and I, I'm like, I'm winning an essay contest, like. Mm-hmm. like really <laughs> and so um and then i started to do mm-hmm. it in the clubs uh, in birmingham like you know open mics and that kind of took off from there so um yeah it's just been a way for me to be a voice uh and to kind of like work through a lot of the, the situations that go on in my life and in my community um so i've just always been better at writing than uh you know speaking okay okay you know that's 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 the that's the wonderful thing about 
arts, no matter what what you're doing. You mean you can you can dance, you can you can write like yourself, you can mm-hmm. paint. You know, it, it doesn't matter. It's it's a mm-hmm. it's so freeing. Mm-hmm. Yes, to the spirit. You you get in your zone mm-hmm. and you're just. It does. It becomes your it safe does. space. Everything around you just sort of fades into the background, you know. And I, and I, I, I love that when I'm creating, just to really just get so focused into something. Yeah. You just lose track of time. When hang around, you just it, it's it's as though you have blinders on, and before you know it, yeah. like for me, I paint, and so I can get so deep into a piece to where by the time I realize it, I mean, it's, it, it may yes. have been hours that's gone by, you know? And the great thing about being back in the South is that I can go out on the porch. It's nice, it's, it's warm. And so I create out on the porch. I call Anthony sometimes. He say, what you up to? I'm like, man, I'm out here on the porch. Man. And I'll just keep going at it. And before I know it, I've been out there for hours. It's, it's the the sun is high noon. I'm yeah. sweating like I've been running a marathon. I don't even feel it in the moment. I'm telling you, art is therapy, man. It is. It saved my life. It is. It is. I tell you that that is that is awesome. Now, have you have you written? I know you say you performed and everything. Have uh, well, let me step back for a second. You say you yeah. went to job corps, you dropped out of high school. Um, kind of tell the people about your educational journey because some people will automatically assume, okay, she dropped out of high school, but yeah. you've accomplished some stuff on um, educational side. So, so share with so share with uh, the listeners what you've accomplished with your education. So, everybody, don't think that you know you're just speaking to someone who dropped out. This lady has actually <laughs> accomplished some stuff. So. I want to shine here, so go ahead. Yeah, and, and uh, well, absolutely. Yeah, I um, yeah, dropped out, dropped out in the tenth grade. Uh, like I said, things were heavy, uh, couldn't focus, uh, and then I found that at the age of seventeen, you know, I was dealing with depression because of my my surroundings, um, and I didn't know what that was. You know, growing up black, you know, you don't talk about depression and all that. You go to church or you pray it away. Yeah. You know, you keep it, you keep it moving. You keep it moving. <laughs> and, and my mom was tough like that. You know, you don't, you don't yes. bring up stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, what is that? You know, oh, let's go get this. So, um, I unlearned those things as I got older, and I was like, you know, I couldn't deal with school, so I dropped out. Um, and I was out of school for a very long time. But then it was just like something kept telling me that uh, you're better than this. That um, you have a lot to offer. Like uh, in my family, I'm a magnet. Like everybody wants to come over and talk to me and everybody asks me questions and stuff like that. So I didn't ever understand what that was until I got a little bit older. And I'm like, wow, like it's something, you know, I have this, um, you know, skill of inspiration. Yes, spirit. So I was like, you know, I can't just sit down on this. Like, you know, I need to do something. So I signed myself up for Job Corps and and went through the uh, GED program. And I was able to get through that really quickly because I've always, uh, I've never had a problem with learning. Uh, it was just, you know, how I was living that was kind of distract, you know, distracting me from being my best self. So um, when I got the Job Corps, I went through the GED program. Mm-hmm. And then I started to do other things at Job Corps. Uh, I was SGA president. I was always like creating projects and programs to make the program even better. So that kind of uh, caused some of the, uh, people who work there to kind of look at me and be like okay this kid has something so um like i said i did the essay contest with win those things i went to gaston community college um job for pay for that so i went to gaston state community college and um here you know it's predominantly white at gaston state so here i was in these classrooms uh, and it's like one or two black people in you know in a classroom and i'm i'm feeling awkward like I said, you know, I, I'm, I'm coming from, you know, the hood. I live in Westside, Paz, Homes, East Chad. You know, I'm around, you know, uh, real people. So uh, I'm in there really feeling awkward and feeling like I'm out of place. And so uh, I had to do some work to um, to understand that, you know, I was worthy of being in that space. That I, you know, that um, education is important and that, you know, I had to like make myself feel like, you know, you deserve this. 
So I went through that program and I ended up getting two degrees uh, from Gaston State. So it was an a, uh, AS degree, associate degree, and a, a associate of applied science. So I was like a few in that class actually graduate with two degrees. Um, and so I pushed through that and continued to um, focus on education because when I started to, to read more and to learn more, um, you know, I was able to communicate better. I was able to influence people, you know, in a positive way, but influence behaviors and stuff like that. So I'm like, I'm gonna keep going. So I got my bachelor's uh, mm -hmm. degree and I wasn't uh, satisfied with that. So I ended up going and I got an MBA. And so uh, I always talk to my children about the fact that, you know, even mm -hmm. though things get rough um, and, you know, and sometimes you, you're gonna fall, you're gonna make bad decisions, but I always remember that you know, you're worth it and you can get back up and you can do it because I did it. So having my MBA has given me the opportunities that uh, have opened doors for many different things. Um, and I'm not telling people to need a degree because, you know, we got, you know, people that are saying you don't need a degree and you don't. A lot of times you don't need that. But my journey and my path, I had to do that in order for me to get to where I am today. Um, and so I, I definitely... Um, I'm also certified in um, diversity and inclusion, so I'm a certified uh, recruiter uh, in that field as well. And I'm um, just, yeah, yeah. Quick, quick, quick question, uh, Jane, uh, for Kanika. Something me and James had talked about a while ago <clears throat> when we had this discussion, and I was telling about my my background. Let me ask you a question real quick. And you don't have to go into it too much. As far as your opinion, knowing that, because I, I dropped out my senior year, got mm -hmm. my GED, scored, I scored high enough where it was just like a month taking, you know, prep, then take the test. Because it wasn't ever an issue with learning. It was just me being bad and not wanting to uh, pay attention. So now with that, the, how the system is set up, because I always say if I knew that I could have went and got a GED and went straight to college, I wouldn't have wasted my time in school. How 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 you feel about that? Do you think that school is like, it's really, cause I feel like it's just for camaraderie and sports. When, cause you can take the fast track and go do the same thing with a GED that you can do with a high school diploma. So it, is, um, do you think that is- I don't, any, I don't think any anyone is better, is better than, than the other. Um, again, I think it depends on your journey. I, I, and I do have children that, you know, I've encouraged to stay in school. Um, but, you know, the GED and the, the high school diploma, you know, it's the same work. It is the same work. Um, I, I do encourage kids to stay in school, but if it gets to a point where you have a child that it has decided to drop out of school, um, you know, it's important that we encourage them and they're surrounded by people that are telling them about programs like Job Poor because there are kids that can't fit in. You know, when I was in school, like I said, it wasn't learning okay. for me, it was environment, but I did have some issues uh, where I felt like, you know, I wasn't getting a certain thing and my, my, my peers around me, they were learning more quickly than I was. Uh, it would take me longer to learn something. But then I learned in Job Corps, that's just how I'm wired. That's how I process information. There's nothing wrong with that. We all learn differently. And I'm an artist, so I use more of my right mm. brain, you know, than my left brain, which is the more analytical. And I, I didn't know that in school. I got that from Job Corps. Mm. But that was my path. Mm. That was my journey. So I, I would say just, you know, just, mm. you know, do what you think is best for you. But, you know, push through um, and... Um, you know, and the spirit will lead you to where you need to be. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Your story is so amazing, and, and it's without a shadow of a doubt somebody's going to be inspired by this. And this is this is one of the things that we try to shoot Definitely. for. Um, now, you you also have yes, an organization yes. that you uh, her started. Sa her Savory Soul. Um, it, yeah, it's an organization that's targeted okay. to women. And um, I just want to give back um, to women uh, that may deal with a lot of uh, mental illness, depression, um, women, helping them to create their personal brand uh, so that they can move into careers that could better their life. 
Um, so I have a lot of different talks and conferences and uh, things like that. But um, it is definitely uh, me giving back. My mom, like I said, single parent. Uh, my mom passed away um, last year in April at the age of, uh, yeah, um, at the age of 59. Well, 58, the day before her 59th birthday. And so uh, she passed away from complications with diabetes and um, and high blood pressure. And so that's been a journey for me, a healing process of her savory soul, because I want to show women that, first of all, we sacrifice our health so many times for our children, for our husbands, our partners, you know, our work, our work, you know, and we forget about taking care of ourselves. So I want to use uh, the lesson that I've learned from my mom. And, and I just love, you know, helping women. I feel like women are the first introduction to God, you know, mothers. Uh, they're your first teachers, you know, the good and the bad of it, you know, but um, that's what Her Savory Soul is about. It's all about empowering every woman to be her best self. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned that because it's important that we, uh, we focus on a sisterhood and building each other up. My last question, um, and then we're going to begin to wrap up because I know, you know, for you, Kanika, time is of the essence. But um, what, what's next? What's next for you? What's next for uh, Her Favorite Soul, your brands? What, what's what's going to go on next? And uh, if you could give us some some ways that listeners can follow you, reach out to you uh, if they need your services, if they want to connect with you, this is your time to just Go okay. for it. Go for it. Just uh, plug well, yourself perfect. away. So uh, right now I'm working on a book. And now I do have one book that's already published. And you guys um, can get this online at Amazon. It's called Spirit Treatment. <coughs> Spirit Treatment. Mm. Yes. Um, okay. uh, and uh, it's, it's a poetry book. And it's a poetry Spirit book. And uh, I uh, okay. wanted to see if I, I could, you know, create a book. And this was my first project. And, um, and I actually put that out a year and a half ago so you guys can go out there and look at some of the poetry and uh, right now I'm working on another book uh it's more about my life it's more about you know my mom and who she was and the lessons that I've learned through that so I'm working on that and um that'll be out pretty soon but her savory soul right now I'm I'm um, a consultant I'm acting as a consultant so I do take clients uh that would like to be interested in personal development I call it spirit treatment and purpose styling. So I use some of the uh, techniques uh, that I've gotten from, the, you know, my job um, and learned throughout the years. And now I'm embedding those practices into my own um, startup so that I can um, help women develop. And like I said, it's different things that I use. I use uh, positive psychology. I'm an optimist also. Um, so I use a lot of those type of practices, uh, emotional intelligence. Uh, women for a very long time you know we've been told that we're too emotional especially in the workplace and mm. a lot of times men get jobs over women because the stereotype of women not being able to lead like a leader so I kind of mm -hmm. teach uh, women that uh, emotional uh, emotions is not a weakness but it's how you balance it and that you can actually you know do really great with being emotionally intelligent mm -hmm. so anyway I, uh, I do that I uh, consult um, I post a lot of information and resources online so people can find me at hersavorysoul.com. That's my domain. It'll pull up a lot of the information so you can check out my social media platforms. And uh, I also have another project, Black Fridays. Um, that's a page out there on Facebook. And that's about black economics, just teaching black people how to invest, uh, how to keep our dollars in our own community because you know we spend more with other communities mm -hmm. and other communities they spend with their themselves and mm -hmm. so just teaching people just how to be wiser about their money and what their money relationship looks like um mm -hmm. i didn't learn about credit until i was in my late 20s and uh when i looked at my credit report mm -hmm. i had stuff in my name before i was even mm -hmm. legal <laughs> 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 That's the story. I think right we all. I think we all had. had yeah. Mom had to do what she had to That's do. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so no, no, just teaching, uh, teaching our people and our children about how to invest in yeah. what you consume because we spend a lot of money. We consume a lot, but do you have stake in the game? 
So that's that's something that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. All all good things. I definitely agree, Anthony. So before we sign off, I have one one more request. And I would be honored if you would share. Yes, I would be more than honored to do that. Cool. So, uh, everybody, again, Kanika Wellington and uh, Kanika, the mic is all yours. Can't you feel that warrior spirit? Consider yourself blessed when a martyr visits. Live for today because tomorrow isn't promised to no man. Life is a gift that goes by quick. Don't look around and miss out on a blessing. What would you die for? Better yet, who would you live for? Because see, I'll outshine, outgrind, and step out of line for mine. They say she Coretta with a Beretta. I say she peace and wartime. 15 shots mm. and a peace sign. Harriet, so underground, shotgun and a mission. Nat Turner in a skirt, scripture in my right and something stepped in my left. Mother Teresa with a heater. I love you to death, but turn left. I don't mind coming to see you. See, she's tough and she's soft. A rose with thorns, angel with horns, holy water and hellfire, sunshine and a hurricane, like when the levees broke and rivers of fear She'll be a sea of hope. She's a sunflower seed turned Nefertiti in the basement of a pyramid. His reminder that truth once lived. She is a movement generator. His creator. She is water. She nurtures his seeds. She's gravity. She has to be the one to hold him down, keeps him grounded down to earth. She loves him close like black hands grip tight in the struggle. Sometimes she loves till it hurts like little brown hands buried beneath Birmingham rubble. She is Betty Shabazz. She is Coretta Scott King. She is Merle Eggers. She is Wendy Mandela. And she woke up on an island fearless and ready filled with rushing winds and unkindled storms like when the levee broke. Fierce and steady, calm and raging, unprovoked, unannounced, uninvited. She showed up big and bold, unapologetic about the dopeness she beholds. She is meditation down by the river. She is a teacher, a sensei of all things divine. She's the yoga's deepest bend and widest reach, the dancer's sharpest turn and wildest grind. She's the painter's brush and the stroke undefined. A sculptor's hand, every clink and every time. She is.